ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in, because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Excited to be here today with Pastor Michael Cummins. He is in London, England area, and uh, we're doing a broadcast every week, Wednesday, 6 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. UK. And I hope you'll uh, share today's program and also join us when you can. Uh, Brother Michael is going to be bringing a message you're going to be blessed by, and um, he's speaking the truth. This needs to be heard today. Brother Michael, you want to open us up in prayer, and the microphone is yours, my brother. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Bless you all who are listening now. And the Bible tells us that the truth shall set us free. And we all pray that we are set free today by the truth. And sometimes the truth is hard to take. But God wants us to hear it. And he wants us to hear it no matter what. Too many people out there are preaching half-truths and preaching mamby-pamby Christianity. We will never do this on Amiga Man Radio. We will preach the truth and nothing but the truth. And we pray that the truth I speak to you today will bless you and change your lives forever. And we pray this today in Jesus Christ, our Lord's name. Amen. I say amen to that. My friend, no holds barred today. Uh, bring no holds barred. Yes, sir. Over to you. Take all the time you want. Thank you very much. Today we're going to talk about the power of the blood. And I found something online the other day, and as I was reading and doing some research, and there's a famous French philosopher called Voltaire, who's highly respected by the French-speaking people all over the world. And he and former American president John Adams were famous for their criticisms of Christianity, calling it a bloody religion, highlighting the Bible's frequent bloody wars and the bloody death of Jesus. So why do we see the blood of Jesus as such a powerful, supernatural, 
celebration of God's awesome power through the cross. I remember going to the cinema some years ago to see the passion of the Christ. And I was watching something that was like the true reality of how Christ really suffered. And some in the cinema could not take it. I remember a young lady passing out and having to be carried out of the cinema over people's heads. She was really unconscious. Never before had Christians witnessed the barbaric treatment of Jesus. Previous Hollywood films based on the crucifixion, I won't mention their names, was sanitized version of the crucifixion. Blood and the spilling of blood, whenever, is seen as something terrible. The awful blood spilt on the battlefields of World War I was rightly seen as grotesque and a human tragedy. Yet the saviour of mankind could only achieve the will of God through the shedding of his precious blood. So our enemy, Satan, hates any mention of the blood of Jesus. His followers try to appease him constantly by offering at the high altars of witchcraft blood sacrifices of animals, even babies and human beings, as a means of empowering themselves and Satan through their abominations of blood. You see, Satan and his followers try to copy the practices of Christians with their vile blood sacrifices. In places like Haiti, while a Catholic priest is taking mass and sharing the symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus, the Eucharist wafer and the wine, around the corner, those engaged in voodoo are eating flesh and drinking blood during the most disgusting satanic rituals. So the born-again believer, what does the precious blood of Jesus do for us? The Bible makes it crystal clear that through sin we are separated from God. In the temple, the vow separated sinful mankind from the presence of God. And when the Lord Jesus died on the cross, the vow tore down the middle. No longer was mankind separated from God through sin. The blood of Jesus had atoned for the sin of mankind. Now I'm going to read you three scriptures now. Well, the first one is Colossians. Colossians 1, and I'm going to read verses 20 to 22. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Hallelujah, we pray in the name 
of Jesus. And now we're going to read Ephesians 2, verses 13 to 16. Ephesians 2, verses 13 to 16. In the name of Jesus we pray. Thank you, Lord. And it says, But now in Christ Jesus, who sometimes were far off and made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so make him peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Hallelujah. And there's one more, Hebrews 10, verses 17 to 19, that shows us completely what the blood of Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus we pray. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 10, verses 17 to 19. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of of Jesus. You can see that how wonderful the blood of Jesus and how wonderful the cross is. We can now pray through Jesus Christ our Lord to God and he will hear our prayers. We have been forgiven of our sins. Those who don't know Jesus are vulnerable all the time to Satan. He will accuse them and threaten them and without Jesus they have no hope. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Look how wonderful our lives are now. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. We praise the name of Jesus today. We think of what the cross is. Matthew 26 verse 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins. I heard and saw a YouTube testimony recently of a Messianic Jewish man who died and his spirit left his body and was met by the Lord Jesus, who took him to look over into the second heaven. The second heaven is where the most ugly and disgusting demons were. And he said that the closer we would get to the end time, then the uglier and viler demons would become. One demon tried to grab his leg but could not get hold of him because of the blood of Jesus that covered him. You see, once we are covered by the blood of the Lamb, Satan has no authority or power over us at all. When Satan tries it on with us, he is nothing more than a chancer. 
A chance is an English word, a cockney word, used to describe someone who tries to con you, tries to lead you astray, but there's no validity in anything he does. So we praise God that the Messiah, Messianic Jewish man, was not only overcoming evil by the blood of the Lamb, but it was only to die temporary, and his spirit was returned to his body, and he's alive today to tell his remarkable testimony. Praise God. You see, those who worship Satan are chances. They can do nothing. They can make as many blood sacrifices to Satan as they wish, in witches' covens, in Satanist dens, but it does no good. It creates evil. But to the born-again believer, they have no power over him. Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11. Read this now. Wonderful scripture. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. I'll read 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and you that dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal. For the devil is come down upon you having great wrath, because he knoweth he hath but a short time. Hallelujah. Satan operates in the darkness. His kingdom is the kingdom of darkness, the second heaven, the place where the demons dwell. This Messianic Jewish man, he he saw into there and he saw how disgusting these demons were. And of course, their own aim is to rob, kill and destroy, which is the very aim of Satan. And as they tried to grab this man, they couldn't hold him because of the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is so powerful. It is so wonderful. Hallelujah. We praise the name of Jesus. So once we are covered with the blood of the lamb, Satan has no power over us at all. He is weak and he is defeated. And I hope he hears that today. I hope he truly does. And he understands what's going on. Let's have a look at the book of Romans. Romans 8 verses 1 and 3. There is therefore no condemnation to the to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Hallelujah. The blood protects us from everything that the enemy would do. The children of Israel, 
the Hebrew slaves had been held in Egypt for 400 years. And despite God's plagues that had been afflicted upon Pharaoh and his people by God, and the pressure that Moses and Aaron had put on Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go, he still had no intention of letting God's people go. So God decided that enough was enough. Hallelujah. And God decided to do something about it. The angel of death would come around midnight and death would come upon Egypt and the firstborn of man, the firstborn of beast would die. Now the children of Israel lived in Goshen, which was part of Egypt also. And you see, God didn't say to them, just go indoors and shut your doors, nothing's going to happen to you. He told them, and this is what he said in the name of Jesus. Exodus 11, verses 1 to 6, then we'll read Exodus 12, verses 5 to 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out in the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. For the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts, and there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And this is what God told the children of Israel to do, the Israelites, from Exodus 12, verses 5 to 14. Hallelujah. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take the blood and strike it upon the two side posts and upon the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat, and they shall Eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire. His head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And you, 
shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations you shall keep it as a feast by an ordinance forever. That was the first Passover. So when the angel of death passed over Egypt, the Hebrews had the blood smeared upon their doorposts, as a sign, hallelujah, as a sign that they were God's people, saved by the blood of the Lamb. I truly believe that as a born-again believer, we should plead the blood over ourselves, our families, our homes, our finances, even over our cars. I had a Christian friend with car trouble some years ago. It was the winter months and snow had been on the ground and her car had been parked outside her house for days and she couldn't start it. I poured some anointing oil on the bonnet of the car and pleaded the blood of Jesus over the ignition, the ignition keys and the engine and it started straight away. As soon as I put the ignition keys in the ignition, it started. And she never had any problems with it. You see, the blood is so powerful. The blood is so supernatural that the natural world has no power against the blood. You see, what Satanists do and people who practice witchcraft with the blood of animals, even the blood of children and babies, they plead that blood to Satan. Satan is a fallen angel. He has no power. God kicked him out of heaven. God sent him to the earth. We know he creates problems, but he particularly creates problems for the world as you look around you. You see, because people have turned away from Jesus and turned away from the Bible and turned away from God's word, then Satan is their master. They worship Satan. We've all done things in our life before we were born again. And if we look back on them, we can see that what we was really do was worshiping Satan by our actions, our behavior. Hallelujah. I remember I was working in a road in southeast London, a place, a place called Charlton, which is London, southeast seven. And I went to see a customer late of night, and when I went in this road, it was very dark. The street light was broken in the corner of the road, and it was very dark, and the visibility was very poor. 
And I said to the lady, one of the residents, my customer, I said, how long has this light been out? And she said, it's been out for weeks. No one's coming to fix it. So I said, well, I'm going to do something about it. So I laid my hands at the bottom of this street light where the metal was, and I pleaded the blood of Jesus over this street light, and I tapped it gently with my hands, and the light came on immediately. And the light was lit up. You see, Jesus doesn't want us to grovel around in the darkness. He wants us to live in the light. Recently, I'd been doing several telephone deliverances in my office in the church. And all of a sudden, the lights in my office started flickering on and off. I felt the presence of evil, and I felt cold come over me. I shouted at the lights to stop flickering, and I pleaded the blood of Jesus, and peace was restored. The lights lit up and the flickering stopped. When we use the blood in spiritual warfare, we know that Satan cannot accuse us of the present and we know that we are new creations in Christ Jesus and the bad things that we've done in the past are only a distant memory. Satan cannot use us use it against us. We know he does. We know that's one of his weapons to remind us of the sins we've committed in the past. But you see, as we read earlier, the blood has set us free from the sins that we committed in the past and the consequences of facing the judgment of committing these sins. Hallelujah. Therefore, the blood of the Lamb has washed away the sins. Let's go to Hebrews 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hallelujah. Dead works are gone. The dead works are our past. That's over. That is why anybody looking to be delivered must receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior and must be led to repentance so that nothing can be hidden away. All sins must be confessed and repented. Once someone has accepted Jesus and the blood has been applied to that person, deliverance has to take place. The blood is a proof of distinction as the blood showed the distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites on the first Passover. I'm going to go back to Exodus 11, verses 6 and 7. And we're going to prove this distinction through the blood for you. You see, because the blood is upon us, we are set aside from the world. And we'll read about this distinction now. Exodus 11, verses 6 and 7. 
and there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against a man or beast, that ye may know how the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Once the blood was pleaded, the children of Israel were distinct from the children of Egypt. The angel of death would pass them over. God would give them life. And God would give them a new life. No longer would they be slaves in the land of Pharaoh. They would go to the land of Canaan, which would become the land of Israel. And Jesus would be born hundreds of years later. Once the blood is pleaded and applied, Satan and his demons are not fighting mere flesh. They're not fighting you and I. This is where some people make a mistake. They are fighting God through the blood of Jesus. The blood of the Passover lamb saved the Israelites and the theme of the first Passover was that they were saved by the blood. So the blood of Jesus gives us distinction from the sinful world. Once we apply the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus to the poor soul seeking deliverance, it's only a matter of time before demons leave shouting and screaming. If the person seeking deliverance has a background in the occult, use the blood of Jesus to break any vows, any agreements, any pledges that have made to idols, false gods, demons and Satan himself. It's the same thing for people who have been involved in New Age and Freemasonry. Most of these things, most of these things are vows. They make vows. And people make vows to everything evil. You see, when you plead the blood of Jesus, you were pleading the blood of God. There is nothing more holy, pure, and sanctifying. The blood of Jesus, backed up by the word of God, will set the captives free. You see, we will be set free forever by the blood of the Lamb. God is not sometime-ish. God is not sometime-ish at all. When he sets the captives free, they're free forever. The only person who they can lose their salvation is by them committing sin and not turning away from sin and turning back to Jesus. Hallelujah. The blood of the Lamb is wonderful. When you consider Jesus Christ on the cross, and we can see that the blood was shed, I believe this, that the blood that flowed from Jesus' wounds 
so terribly afflicted by the Roman soldiers. We know that when they whipped Jesus, they whipped him with whips with balls of metal that took all the flesh off his back. We know that the Roman centurion, after his crucifixion, speared him with the spear, and blood and water ran from the body of Jesus, the blood of the lamb and the living water. I believe that when his hands and feet was now to the cross, there was such an accumulation of blood that it ran down from the cross fell onto the ground and soaked through the ground and dripped onto the mercy seat, which was above the Ark of the Covenant, and the faith was made whole. And forever we know that Jesus is God, and God is Jesus. And you see, that blood is mighty. So when you feel attacked, when you feel the devil is attacking you, and trying to unsettle you. The first thing you do is plead the blood. Yes, of course you're going to be scared for a time, because what usually happens when demons attack you, they usually attack you at a time when you're not ready for it. Hallelujah. But what you do, you plead that blood. You plead it now, for Jesus Christ is our Lord and Saviour. Hallelujah. I'm going to read something now. 1 Peter 1 verse 19. 1 Peter 1 verse 19. Let's read that now. Hallelujah. We pray. It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot you see when somebody asks you to go and have a blood test when people test your blood they can find all sorts of things in your blood first of all they can tell your blood group if you're anemic and you're lacking certain vitamins and iron then they can tell but jesus blood was perfect it was pure it was without spot. And remember, God's own son, Emmanuel, God with us, is the precious lamb of God who takes away the world. The lamb of God without spot and blemish. So when Satan is trying it on with you and attacking you, plead that blood. Say, leave me now, Satan. I am covered with the blood of the Lamb. You know, we apply the armor of God as spoken of in Ephesians. But we put it on with the blood and we put it on with faith. When we have our gospel armor on, I don't believe Satan has any real power against us. Hallelujah. We should plead the blood of Jesus over everything. Satan, I believe, is a chancer. He can cause people a lot of problems. I've had times when I've been at my home, I remember sleeping downstairs uh, one night because I had a 
a bad leg and it was difficult to get up into bed with my bad leg and it was about two o'clock in the morning and the room was dark and I remember a shroud coming into the room a white shroud that tried to cover me I believe it was a death shroud earlier that evening I'd been praying for some young women uh, and these two women, they had problems. They'd had children outside marriage. Uh, I believe one of them had had an abortion and they needed prayer. And I remember praying for them, but I didn't realize at the time the intensity of who I was praying for. One of the girl's mothers lived in France and she was a Satanist and she was a high Satanist. And, of course, she had been made aware that I had prayed for her daughter and I'd broken all sorts of curses off her daughter. And she was very angry. So in the early hours of the morning, this shroud come over me and tried to cover me. And it was real. This wasn't some dream. This was real. It came in my room and it tried to cover me. Anyway, I jumped up and I threw it off me with my hand. And as I walked out into my hall, I saw a small demon. And he was very, very small, very satanic. And he was laughing at me. And I felt the presence of demons around me. And I kicked this small demon up the backside. And he, and he went across the room like a football. And I commanded that these demons leave immediately, they have no power, and I pleaded the blood of the Lamb, and I turned the lights off downstairs, and I said, let's see if I can go up to bed, and I went up to bed, and I got in the bed, and I thought, and I started praying, my wife was asleep, thank God she hadn't heard any of the commotion, and any of the noise, and she was asleep in the bed, and I pleaded the blood of the Lamb, and I went to sleep instantly. All this commotion had gone in my house and demons were present. But I went to sleep immediately. And a funny thing happened. When I woke up in the morning, it was cold in my bedroom. And my bedroom window was wide open. And when I went to sleep earlier, the window was closed. So the devil and his demons left through the window and I never saw them again. I was concerned about this, what had actually happened to me. I was concerned, so I kept praying to the Lord. And I thought this was a death curse that had been put upon me and I believe, still believe that it was. And because I woke up and because the shroud never covered me this death shroud and I had been over to break any curse by the blood of the lamb I knew I was okay but one night I woke up two or three in the morning and I saw a box coming down and it was coming down through the skies and it was beautifully covered and adorned with flowers with gold with silver and there was a sign of the cross on it and this thing came down, and it came down into my bedroom and hovered above me. And it was most beautiful. And all I felt was peace around me as it came down. And I lifted my hand and touched it. 
as soon as I touched it, it disappeared. And I said, what was that? And the words I got was a gift from God. That's the words I got. So I know the blood of Jesus is powerful. I know the blood of Jesus is all conquering. And Satan has no power at all over the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So everyone, I say, in spiritual warfare, you must plead the blood of the Lamb. For the blood of the Lamb is perfect. Perfect. Now, I want to talk about something else that has been on my heart for a long time. I've been chucked out a few churches, or I've preached once in a church and never been asked back. I don't mind that. But I want to talk about abortion. I remember many years ago, I preached in a church in North London, and I preached over abortion. Because I'm going to say something now, and I'm sorry in advance for any offence I cause to anyone, but I must speak about abortion to you, which is a colossal abomination in the Western world. And I remember preaching in this church and preaching against abortion. And I saw a few ladies in the church who was wriggling in their seats. They felt very uncomfortable. And I wasn't asked back, and I don't think the people liked it at all. But let's say, whatever the reasons are for seeking a termination, I believe abortion is a child sacrifice to Satan. Of course, nobody who has a termination has one believing that they are sacrificing a baby to Satan. But Satan accepts any abortion as a blood sacrifice to him. He likes nothing better than seeing one of God's creation denied life through abortion. And when this was playing on my heart, I checked from... Uh, some of the records, and you see the abortion law was passed in Britain and made it illegal for people to seek abortion, not for any reason, but on certain reasons in 1967. And I think in Britain, because this law was passed in 1967, it was a terrible step in Britain's future. Now, many of the arguments were that it stopped women from seeking backstreet abortions. And all over, all over Britain, there were backstreet abortionists, who, women who got themselves in trouble, went to see these people. And some of them got very sick and got infection. Some of these women even died, and the abortionists were taken to court, tried and given prison sentences. And... Up to a couple of years ago, from 1967, I think to the end of the uh, the year 2000, and, and that time what they call from the year 2000 to 2020, I believe the abortions carried out in Britain was over 7 million. Over 7 million children had been aborted 
that is a small nation. I then looked at some of the statistics of America, and I believe in the United States of America, uh, abortion was made legal in most states by 1973. And the abortions that had been carried out in the United States up to around about the year 2020 was approaching nearly 60 million, which was the population of Britain. So you can see if you add all the abortions that have taken place in countries in the European Union and other countries in the world, we can see that millions upon millions of God's creation have been aborted in the womb. For whatever reason, it could be because people have just had a casual sexual relationship and got pregnant. Uh, people could have been in dire financial straits. They could have already had children already and they were struggling. Nowadays in Britain, and I believe something is coming upon America soon, America's debt crisis, Britain's cost of living crisis, that bringing up a children is something that you shouldn't just go into willy-nilly. You should really think about it. Because if a child is given life, that child should expect to receive the best it can from its parents. It's an obligation we have as parents to look after our children. And I've prayed for many, many young women and they've had abortions and years later they're still single, they're not married. Some of them have had children by more than one man and their lives are a mess. Some of them will big up and say, I'm as good as any husband, I'm as good as any father bringing up my children. But they're only kidding themselves. God's word and God's plan for mankind is that there be a male and a female, a father and a mother. And you see, when you were bought a child, I truly believe that it is a mortal sin. Now, there was a book about 150 AD called the Didache. And there was an early Christian view on abortion in this collection of texts called the Didache, known as the Apostolic Fathers. And one is called, one of the books of the Didache is called The Teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles by the Twelve Apostles. And the Didache was probably in Syrian texts, dated around 150 AD. The first part draws heavily from the Gospels, followed by teachings from the Psalms and Proverbs and the Sermon of the Mount. The next part covers early Christian traditions and accounts on baptism and the Lord's Supper. When you read the second book, it comes to a verse that states, you shall not murder a child in destruction, nor shall you kill one just born. Now, many Christian scholars have gone into further translations to this, and one was by a gentleman called Michael Holmes, 
And his translation read, you shall not abort a child or commit infanticide. And there is a further translation by a gentleman called Bart Ehrman. And he states, you shall not abort a fetus or kill a child that is born. Now, this was 150 AD. And I was shocked when I read this because I thought, I thought abortion was a modern thing. And I thought it was a modern thing that developed in the Western world. I never realized that in 150 AD there were abortions. But it appears the pagans of the day tried to induce abortions. So the Didache speaks against the evil practices. So it was shameful that we did not learn from it. Believe me, when I read this, I thought, my God, I never realized that there was abortion in those times. Yet there was. And we're not told how the pagans induced the abortions, but we know they tried to induce them. Now, whether they induced them as a sacrifice to their pagan gods, or whether they induced them at the command to make money so people could be free of what they considered an encumbrance. But I truly believe that that's what abortion is. And you see, every child deserves a life. And when a man and woman come together in union and they have a child, God expects that child to be brought up and nurtured. God expects that child to be brought up as a Christian and taught the ways of God, not aborted. But I truly believe that every aborted fetus goes to God and is protected and nurtured by God and loved by God. I don't know what they do in heaven, but we know that God will bless them and they'll be cared for and they'll be looked after. So I must say that, and I truly apologize if it's offended anyone. And if anyone listening has had an abortion and feels any guilt or shame and condemnation, then you can contact me. I will leave my phone number at the end and we can pray for you so you can be rid of all this guilt. Because remember, the Bible says there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And if you're feeling condemned and you're feeling very bad about this, then it is Satan trying to use the spirit of guilt against you. So ring me up at the end of the show and I'll pray for you. Let's go back to the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. What a wonderful scripture. What a wonderful statement we know about Jesus. Hallelujah. And we know 
I've got this here from Proverbs, Proverbs 28. I've just found it. And it says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Yes, the righteous are as bold as a lion. And one of the things that makes them bold is the blood of the lamb, which taketh away the sin of the world. Let's pray now and let's plead the blood of the lamb upon ourselves today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood that poured from your wounds as you walked to the cross at Calvary and as you was nailed to the cross of Calvary. The blood that flowed upon the land was the purest and that blood flowed from the wounds of God that was made flesh and came to the earth. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over everyone listening today. We plead that blood today. And we plead the blood on everyone that is being inflicted by terror from Satan. And I say to you, Satan, we splash you with the blood of the Lamb. We splash you with the blood of Jesus. It is so holy. It is so righteous. It is so pure that you will scream and yell as the blood approaches you. In deliverance now, anyone listening to this program now who has demons, we say now, we cover you with the blood of Jesus from the tops of your head to the sole of your feet. And we say now, you will be delivered, you will be healed, you will be sanctified, you will be purified by the blessed blood of the Lamb. And I pray for everyone who has contacted me recently, who has been oppressed by demons. We command the demons to leave now by the power of the blood of the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. And the blood will purify you from all unrighteousness now. The blood will heal you from all disease as we plead the blood of the Lamb against every form of cancer, every form of heart disease, arthritis, rheumatism, diabetes, epilepsy, and every spirit of infirmity which has afflicted you. We cover you with the blood from the top of your head unto the sole of your feet. And we praise the blessed name of Jesus who went to the cross for us all. Most of mankind was ignorant of what Jesus had done. And I plead to those who haven't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior now. I pray that you will go to a church. You will ring up a pastor. You will ring up me. And you will say you wish to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
and we will plead the blood upon you. For only the blood of the Lamb can wash you clean of sin and iniquity. Nothing else will do. And we pray that today, that you be washed clean by the precious blood of the Lamb. And we say that now, in the most glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I see. Amen. Brother Michael, powerful teaching today. And you know, as I'm thinking about this whole issue, I think that we have been desensitized with the terms that they use to describe what is actually going on here, the murder of children. Amen. In America, they would use terms like uh, pro-life or pro-choice. What? What? They would use uh, abortion. Even that's desensitizing. Why don't what we call it what it is? It's murdering the unborn. They'll use terms like end of pregnancy. And you know, when I sit here and think about it, and how accustomed we've become, you know, I'm speaking for America now, being an American, to where it happens every day, somewhere. Estimated 60 million or more children have been murdered in America. How this is not illegal, I don't know. It defies explanation. This is demonic. I don't believe there's any reason that abortion, the murder of a child, should ever occur. And it's been going on for a long time. And I think uh, uh, the truer term is child sacrifice. Amen. If we want to go back to what it was being done, it was being done all the time, child sacrifice. You know, some nations, uh, if they, uh, like in China under the one-child rule, if you didn't have a boy, you would uh, murder the baby girl. Yes. Because it was a dishonor. If you didn't have a boy to carry on the family name, and the communist put it on people. We only want you to have one, and people would have more. They were even forcing abortions in, in China for families that had more than one child. Literally taking these women down to the clinics and forcing them to uh, abort the child. You know, there's a, a new law that just passed in Indonesia last year. And it covers a couple things. One of them is it, um, it brings a um, maximum four-year jail sentence to any woman who has an abortion. The only exception is uh, if they deem it a medical emergency, they do offer some exceptions for that, or a rape victim. But I'm like this. If you don't want your child, we know of many people, there's tens of thousands of people who would love to have a child, but they're barren, something wrong with the man, something wrong with the woman, infertile, who knows, but they can't conceive. You know, what? in the early, maybe 100 years back, uh, there was a lot of these uh, homes where children uh, were sent, you know, didn't have parents. Look, there's people that will take these babies if you don't want them. Gladly, adopt them. But people think, well, well I, it's my body. Yeah, well, I, I, 
I know this is demonic. You know, I've got, I've got a story to tell you. Many years ago, I received a phone call from a woman. And she said this woman was very oppressed, very depressed. She felt very heavy and she felt demons all around her. So I went to pray for this woman. And as I sat down, I asked someone if they're married, if they're divorced, things about their personal life. And I said, what, what, what do you do for a living? She said, I'm a receptionist in a clinic. And I said, wow, what, what sort of clinic is it? And she said, an abortion clinic. Wow. And I said to her at the time, you can understand now why you're oppressed. You're working in a demonic place where the unrighteous murder of children takes place. Now, it's been sanitized by the word termination and abortion. But this is murder of the unborn child and what you actually do she said I book the appointments over the phone when people ring up for an abortion and I said you are having a hand in the process of abortion you must leave that job straight away she said to me what am I going to do for a living I said well there's other clinics there's dental clinics there's other medical clinics you could get a job in as a receptionist. And then she said to me, well, the money is very good. And I said, well, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Wow. You are being enticed to work for the devil. Anyway, I rang her pastor up. She was a regular churchgoer. And I rang her pastor up and spoke to her pastor. And he said to me, when I gave the pastor this lady's name, he said, the woman who works in the abortion clinic. And I said, you know of this? And he said, yes. And I said, why haven't you done anything to stop it? And, and he never even answered me. He didn't have an answer. So as you said earlier, quite rightly, the terminology of abortion pro-life and pro-choice and these sort of things that has caused people to become desensitized and this woman was desensitized and I said your demons are coming from the fact that you work in that clinic yeah we know everyone wears a white coat and it's scrubbed and it's very sanitary but it is a place of evil it is a place where execution takes place. I never heard from her again. She never rung me back because I thought that she probably thought I was out of order speaking to her the way I did. But I couldn't help it. And uh, I realized the church she went to wasn't doing the real thing of God because every Christian and we know in Britain if you preach this stuff in the church you can be arrested wow. if you preach against homosexuality in the church you can be arrested really and you know there was even uh, mercy. there was even a guest housekeeper in Northern Ireland who took a book in for a wedding and it turned out it was a gay wedding and he tried to cancel the uh, the wedding and cancelled the booking and they took him to court and he was ruined financially wow as it is the reason i've always spoke this because i haven't got no money i live from week to week so if anyone wants to take me to court they won't do very well out of me i don't own my own house i own a second-hand car and i've got a few quid in the bank so best of luck to them brother michael i think that's even a more accurate term 
executions. There is, there is no justification for executing a child. If you're a rape victim, I'm sorry that you're raped. Number Amen. one, if you don't want the child, someone will take them. There are places that you can uh, adopt your child out. I wouldn't even uh, understand what it must be like if you're raped. But you don't murder the child still under that circumstances. And the other problem is these rapists, they need to be put away for life. Pedophiles need to have their balls whacked off. The problem yes. is the American justice system rewards these people. You know, in Chicago, they're catching crooks and releasing them. Um, this has become the order of the day. There's ways to fix that. But rape's not even justified. And, you know, I was thinking back, well, what if it's a medical emergency? We've got to do it to save the life of the wife. I don't recall that in the Word of God. I recall women who died at childbirth. Didn't Abraham's wife, Sarah, when she was delivering her last child, Benjamin, didn't she die in childbirth? One of the I patriarchs. Mean. Okay, they died. Okay, we put it in the hands of God. If you die and you know Jesus, you go home and be with Jesus. So you're going to murder an innocent child to save the mother? No. If the mother loves a child, she would give her life for the child. I'm saying there's no justification. No. Yet I no. know Christians who try to make excuses and, well, but it's okay in this case or that case. No, it's not. This is murder. This is child sacrifice, and it's went to the next level. Um, there's a movie getting ready to be released, Brother Michael. Yes. And it's on the subject of uh, human trafficking and adrenochrome. And it tracks the story, and this is actually happening in parts of the world. In America, I heard a statistic, 800,000 upwards of a million children are being abducted in America alone. It's about 8 million worldwide from some reports. And they're being sold into sexual slavery. And what's happening? These kids are being raped. And then when they're done with them, they kill them and they harvest the adrenochrome. That's the adrenaline that goes in the bloodstream in a, when you're under a lot of stress or you're, yeah. you're, you're afraid, you know, afraid or you're in fear you're going to be murdered. And they are murdered. They take the adrenochrome and then they take their body parts off and they, they sell those too to people looking for organ transplants. Cartels. Oh, dear, dear. Cartels are snatching children at the border. Kids are getting the border are being snatched. It's happening worldwide. They call it human trafficking. And yes, it happens to adults too, especially those that are coming over places like North Korea. If you're if you escape and many don't, and you get over to China, then they will kidnap you as a lady and sell you into sexual slavery. And you may or may not ever get out. Uh, you may stay trapped in there until you die. But this is witchcraft. This is satanic sacrifice. Uh, yes. Here in Indonesia, it's illegal. You go to jail for four years. They also just passed a law against um, uh, fornication and adultery. If you're caught in the act, you will go to jail if you're Indonesian. There was such an outcry when the law passed that many Australians said, oh, well, we're not coming to Bali then. If you want to do us like that, um, meaning they were coming down here to hook up. 
of course, what, what was said is the governor here in Bali said, well, that's we're not going to enforce that for the bullies, you know, the foreigners. Uh, that's for the locals. Yes, yes. But you know what? I have to salute them because Indonesia is more of a Christian nation, it seems, with the largest Muslim population on top of that in the world than it seems we are in America. God has to look favorably on a place that says, we're going to make it a law that you cannot sacrifice your children, that adultery is illegal. Because this is just commonplace in America and Europe and probably England too. Yeah, and very bad in England, very bad. Two of these items are breaking Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not murder. And you know, life yes. begins at inception. When the, the egg meets the sperm, God breathes life into that. Now, it may be one second old, but it's life. God puts a spirit in it right there. And then over the next nine months, hopefully, you're going to uh, develop and not come out prematurely, and you, get, you come out of the womb. It's gotten so bad, though, brother. I believe there's books. I mean, there's laws uh, that could be passed if they haven't already in some places. They're debating on whether or not a baby is a child even 30 days up to six months after it's come out of the mama. And some people well, are saying we should have the right to murder that child up to six months old. Brother, this is demon possession. Well, I, there was a program in England a few weeks ago that uh, that I couldn't, I was astounded. And it was an animal rights uh, advocate who was on there. And uh, I would never myself uh, treat an animal cruelly. I've got two cats, I've had dogs in the past, and I love all animals. I go out my way, uh, you know, to uh, love animals. Yet this woman was saying on there that when we eat fish and chips, and she used fish and chips as an example, she said that the cruelty and the pain that the fish goes through when it's being farmed to make fish and chips, she said was equal to us eating our cats. And she, they allowed her time on the television to say this. Good grief. And she made a hell of a fuss about cruelty to animals in the food chain. And she used fish and chips as an example. <laughs> I think she used fish and chips as an example because she knows that British people eat a lot of fish and chips. But nothing was said about the cruelty to the unborn, unborn child that is aborted. Brother, it's, uh, uh, nothing was said about that. So, you know, we've got it all wrong in the world. Satan is ruling supremely in the world. And, you know, we've got to stand against him. Now, I'm not condemning anybody in my speech here. Uh, if we die in that sin, we'll be condemned, however. This is a call yes. to repent. Okay, this is a call to confess the sin, renounce and repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you, and he will. There's a uh, supporter of this program who's tuned in over the years, and uh, I'm not mentioning her name. That's not my point here, but she confided that she had 14 abortions. And, you know, the pain that she has to deal with, realizing that uh, those 14 children she never got to see, and they would have comforted her in her old age. And I will say this. God forgave her when she repented and those children they go right into the immediate presence of the Lord I believe that you know uh, Satan thought he destroyed a life and well he did he nipped him in the bud 
they could have been the next, uh, you know, uh, preacher, evangelist. Amen. But I believe that they go right into the immediate presence of the Lord. You know, they, they have not sinned, and God no. takes them up. Um, God gets the harvest, but uh, isn't it terrible what the enemy is doing, and he's convinced people that it's okay, it's not human. And, you know, I'm tired of these ladies saying, but it's my body. Okay. Your body, except now you've got another person in your body, and he's got right or she's got rights to their body too. Okay, you're sharing space with another human being. And I know people who have went in and did it, and they never recovered. You know, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation. You will live with that forever. The the pain when you wake up and realize what you did. But there is still forgiveness. Okay? And that's the good news here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all righteousness. But we, we should also at the same time wake up and realize the insanity of it at the time and be vocal and warn others, this is not acceptable under any circumstances. Number one, you shouldn't be having sex outside of marriage anyway. Okay, well, that's not going to happen. We know that, okay? No, no. <laughs> You don't want to get pregnant? Don't have sex, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and if you are, then accept the responsibility. Brother, I'm, I'm going to be transparent here, and I don't mean to take up too much of your time. You may have another appointment. No. Okay. Um, I came from a broken home. At eight years old, my parents had divorced. A year earlier, they sent me and my brother down and said, um, to me and my brother, we're going to get a divorce. You choose who you want to live with. I was seven. My brother was five. This fractured my brain. I lived in a dysfunctional family. My whole life was dysfunctional. And I grew up, got out of high school, should have went into college, didn't have the money to do it, decided to work. And then um, next thing you know, I meet a girl at the church Valentine party, my grandfather's church, and I thought she was very beautiful. Never had a girlfriend before. Took her out. My hormones were raging. Next thing you know, knocked the boots. And um, I'm 19 and she's 17 and she's pregnant. I realized I got to get married. And the thought crossed my mind. I, maybe we abort the child. Just to show you the depravity of my mind at that time, and I grew up in the church. Thank God we did not abort the child. And I married her and we had a child. I was not prepared. But ultimately I realized that's the right thing to do. You have a you bring a child in this world, then you got responsibility for that child. Or don't conceive. You say, Well, I'm gonna abort. No, you can't, it's too late. That's murder. And you know what? If we begin yes. to have penalties for that we wouldn't see the things that people are getting away with doing today murdering child pedophilia homosexuality buggery used to be a capital offense in america and you go to jail adultery too abortion too Amen. homosexuality too now it's all common practice now people are pushing for the rights to have sexual relations with children and now our children are being abducted sodomized they're drinking the adrenochrome they're being sacrificed to satan on the altar of convenience well i don't i'm not ready for it 
So no, nor am I. Well, the, the child's not ready to be aborted, murdered. But no. you're about to do that because it's an inconvenience to you? Because you you don't feel like you're ready to settle down now? And it spreads to other areas of society. I hear the same thing about marriage. And you go and look at Japan. The nation is dying. There's more elderly population than there are newborns. Yes. And if they don't have a reversal of this trend, the Japanese people as a nation will be extinct. And there was a documentary, and they began to interview people, ladies and men who are trying to be executives and earn a living. You plan to get married? I don't have time. I don't have the money. I'm not ready for it. They never get married. And many are not even dating. Many are sitting in a cubicle, masturbating to some anime character, people buying $3,000 sex dolls, marrying anime creatures. I kid you not, demon possession Yes, is prevailing in that can society. I, can I say one thing? Absolutely. Some years, some years ago, I uh, was asked to take a woman through deliverance. And uh, she had came to Britain. And she'd come to Britain from the old uh, Russia. And uh, when she came to Britain, she had hard times. And she found herself being uh, worked by a pimp and working as a prostitute in London. And she got pregnant a couple of times. Uh, I don't know how, but uh, she had abortions. And when she came to me, she used to feel a spirit baby in her womb. Wow. And this spirit baby, her womb used to swell up and her stomach used to swell up out the front there. And she used to feel the movement of a baby in her womb. And I knew this was a demonic child that she had in her womb, a demon child. And I remember when I used to pray for her, she used to go through the pains of childbirth. And it was so demonic and it was so evil that we realized that the whole process of abortion is evil from start to finish. And because mankind have sanitized it, God sees it completely different. And the darkness that surrounds the decision to have an abortion and the process and the aftermath after the abortion is a terrible thing for any woman to have to live with. This woman, I have still praying for her now, but she still goes through these terrible demonic uh, episodes where she feels incubus and succubus, Eldora and Mare, these spirits of sexual violation, still attacking her. And we have to deal with spirit husbands, spirit lovers. And we still have to deal with this problem with the spirit baby because she feels she's pregnant many, many times and it is satanic and it is evil. But fortunately, we're winning the battle through the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Brother, I'm not so sure that there are not some supernatural spirit babies being birthed. We've heard stories of women getting pregnant or they look pregnant up to nine months and then when they were supposed to deliver... There's no baby. No, Stomach went no. down. Something was harvested. Yes. And, you know, uh, it reminds me also 2000, I guess it was eight, Obama 
was running for president. And I remember talking to many Christians, and, and many that were black. And I said, who are you voting for? I got to vote for Obama. And I said, uh, do you know his stance on abortion? He even believes in partial birth abortion. That's where the baby is getting ready to be birthed, and they take an instrument yes, or yes. scissors and jab it in the head and the brain, and then they suck the body out alive. Amen. Or they Ugh, what a what a disgusting thing. They squirt some toxic poison there and it kills the baby, burns it alive, and they suck it out. And I said, This guy's a murderer. And you know what? I, I heard the response of many. It was just saddening. This is our time. It may never come again. I'm, I've got to vote for him. I just, I have to. And they overlooked it. That's compromise. Well, the Bible tells us that favoritism is forbidden. So when we, when we vote for someone or support someone, uh, I'll tell you a story. Many years ago, I was praying for a woman, you know, and I used to pray for her family. And God used me greatly in this woman's family, especially with her daughter. And God gave me prophecy over this 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 child, and all the prophecy was fulfilled. Uh, I remember one day, she didn't turn up to church. For about two weeks, she didn't turn up. And when she came to church, I said to her, where have you been? I said, I haven't seen you. You didn't ring me. You didn't tell me anything was wrong. And she said, she came from Nigeria. And she said, oh, there was a man preaching in London who came from my from my region where I used to live. So I said, do you know this man knows, she said, but because he came from my region, I had to go and support him. So, you know, and another time, the same woman, she didn't go to church and she went to see Benny Hinn because Benny Hinn was in London. And she went to see, I think, a crusade in London and a crusade in Birmingham. When she came back to church, and at the time I was running a small church, and I was running it from hand and mouth, when the rent was paid for the church and the expenses, sometimes I used to be left with as little as £10. And, uh, you know, and I was putting on my own wages and I was working part-time to help pay for the church. And when, when she came back, I said, where have you been? She said, oh, I went to see Benny Hinn. I said, oh, and she came to me at the end of the service. Or oh, she said, Pastor, I've got a terrible headache. Will you pray for me? And I said, why don't you ring Benny in up and ask him to pray for you? And I remember her being very offended with me. But we've got to realize that favoritism is forbidden. We can't just support someone because they're the same color of us or the same race of us. I have, I run basically a black church. It's a black church. I've always run black churches because the type of preaching I do and the deliverance and the way I preach is not always acceptable in white society in London. So I usually find more black people come to me than than white people. And that doesn't bother me at all. As I say, favoritism is forbidden. Amen. We're not just to support our own because they're the same as us. We're supposed to support our own because they speak the truth. And we're supposed to support everyone who Amen. speaks the truth. And that's the way it should be. Absolutely. And I just use that as an example. Um of a, an, an election where there was a candidate who was uh, everybody knew his stance on abortion 
And yet even Christians were overlooking it. And I heard responses like that. If we get to a situation where uh, you say, well, what about the other candidate? And they believe in abortion too, then don't vote for either of them. I mean, no, that's the bottom no. line. Sometimes you have no choices. But to vote for someone and they're willing to do this, uh, what's that say about us? Uh, compromise? I mean, you Yes, know, it does. I voted for President Trump. In fact, I voted for him a second time. That I believe the election was stolen. But uh, even ha- having voted for him, there was a point in his presidency where he was sitting down at a table, uh, the Abrahamic Accords, and it was not uh, signed by the Palestinians, but had they, there would have been some of Israel's land given up for peace. And I said, nobody has a right to give up any of Israel's land. Who, who has a right to tell God what he can do to his land and force someone uh, to give up what God has deeded to them in the word of God? And I had to repudiate Trump, if that's the right word. Also, he hired yeah. someone for his cabinet who claimed to be a Christian, but also homosexual. And I said, Trump has hired a homosexual for his executive staff? Has he lost his mind? And I spoke out about it. And I said, I have to draw a line in the sand. I, I believed in this man, and here he is, sadly, doing things that run contrary to the Word of God. And if i got to choose God over a candidate, I'll choose God every time. And I had some people angry with me. Oh, you're a traitor. I said, I'm a traitor? I said, he's about to uh, broker a deal to give up land for peace. That's contrary to the word of God. Amen. Nobody has a right to force Israel to give up their land. If you do, you're going to be cursed. And furthermore, to look the other way and hire a homosexual cabinet member? Now, Turns out that that guy, his tenure was short, and he was, you know, he was gone, and they didn't sign the deal. And I said, okay, then. Um, it could have been worse than it was, but you know, we got to make a decision where we're going to stand, and we need to stand with God and stand on His word, because God is, He's not double-minded as we are. And you know, no. if, if you have or I have done things that are contrary to the word of God. Praise God, we can repent. Amen. The Lord I'm, it's funny enough, I had a friend, you know, who was a Trump supporter. And Trump was very popular in England. Very, very popular. And a lot of English Christians believed that Trump was, if you like, uh, God's prophet on the earth. They saw him like that. I never right. saw him like that. And this particular man who I knew, he was a good friend of mine. I took him through deliverance some years ago. He backed his life savings on Trump, you know, winning the second election. He lost over £30,000. And he wow. backed that on Trump to win the election. I was, I couldn't believe it. I was confounded beyond all recognition. I couldn't believe a man had done anything like that. He so Trump had this way of winning people over but now when we look back on it I think we all have to admit it wasn't what he seemed well he was uh, he failed me and failed many others that put our faith and trust yep. in him and he, he compromised in the end and I think his downfall was he surrounded himself with people that he then trusted 
and they all stabbed him in the back. Or they betrayed his trust, they abandoned him in the end, even the vice president. Uh, and very dangerous. He kept choosing yeah, very dangerous. Uh, wrong people over and over again, and I think a lot of that was uh, people that he was directed to bring in from his own son-in-law, Jared Kushner. And I said, there's something wrong with that guy. Keep an eye on Jared Kushner. I don't like him at all. And I think that he even um, brought in many of these candidates. And then they all turned on Trump. I think even uh, Giuliani, who was his chief legal counsel. Yes, yes, yes. Was nothing more than a hospice nurse. Yeah. To keep him him from doing anything irrational until his time ran out and he lost the presidency because of... uh, uh, you know the circumstances that happened. I believe with the voter fraud, but he was deep state all the way. Yes, yeah. We've uh, had we've had it in England. You know, we've had we've had bad leaders in England who have done things wrong, and uh, you know, uh, England now. Our our remember our prime minister now is a Hindu. He's non-Christian. Wow, that's right. So Britain Britain has equally chose the wrong people and made mistakes. There's a big now. I don't. I don't criticize this man because he's a Hindu. I've known many Hindus who I've liked very much. I've had Hindu friends who I played cricket with over the years. Uh, But, you know, when a country is a Christian country, and I don't know if you saw something recently. Did you watch the coronation of King Charles? Yes, sir. I stayed up and watched it. I sure did. Well, if you watched it, there was a film that came out later that you can see on YouTube. When you look down Westminster Abbey, there's a little gap in the middle which you can walk across. And a woman dressed in black, carrying a scythe, a sickle, walked between that gap in the two parts of the church. And they're now calling her the Grim Reaper. People completely ignored her and carried on what they was doing. Nobody saw her, but she came up in film later. And it looked demonic. A woman all in black with a hood on, carrying a scythe in her hand, and she walks across the church. Now, with all the security around the coronation, if a woman had turned up like that to get in the church, she would never have been allowed in. She would have been arrested. Brother David... Uh, excuse me, Brother Michael, pardon me, Brother Michael, what was going on at that coronation when they had apparently three deacons uh, doing some of the ceremony and two of those were ladies with butch haircuts? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that and there was the, also also a Hindu priest who come and kiss King Charles's ring. So there was a lot of stuff going. You see, King Charles, he's supposed to be the defender of the faith, the defender of Protestant religion in Britain. But he wants to be the defender of faiths, and he wants to be the defender of Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and every other faith. The world's in a mess. That's how I can only conclude the world's in a mess. That's why we've got to draw closer and closer to the word of God and closer and closer to our Lord Jesus. I will admit that King Charles looked very uncomfortable there. And I was listening to what he was uh, asked to repeat. You know, do you uh, swear allegiance to uh, Jesus Christ? Uh I don't. Th- I don't think he does. But he uh, he went through it in- with it anyway. What is your yes, opinion? Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. 
uh, because uh, it's said that he's really a Muslim. Well, well I, I saw him on a speech at Oxford many, many years ago, and when there was terrorists, back back in the 80s, when there was a lot of terrorism in the world, and of course people were criticising Islam as a religion, and he went to the Oxford Union, which is a debating society in the University of Oxford, and he spoke in favour of Islam being a peaceful religion, and he tended to believe that it was the press and publicity and a few rogue people like the Ayatollah Khomeini and people like that that really was causing Islam a bad name and the average Muslim was a decent person no different than anyone else so he has made these preach uh, these speeches in the past you see I'm not a royalist uh, I'm not a royalist myself. I don't rock the boat when it comes to tradition because British tradition is older than I. But British tradition is supposed to be based on the Word of God. Well, I'm, I'm like, That's I'm what like what supposed they, to be based on. Oh, agreed. And I'm glad that they had him uh, make the uh, pronouncements that he did. But uh, I only mentioned, I just thought he looked a little bit uncomfortable. There's some Muslim cleric. Uh, a very high-ranking who said that Prince uh, Prince Charles and now King Charles had made many trips over there to the Middle East and had at one time converted to Islam. Now, hearsay I don't know, but they also said uh, he's Muslim, but he's also head of the Anglican Church, and um, his one of his family I think are from the tribe of Dan, so he's Muslim, Anglican, Christian, and Jewish, all three at one time. Yeah. Well, his, his great-great-grandfather was supposed to be a direct descendant from King Josiah. So they've got a family tree that goes right the way back to the Bible. And, of course, the, the name Windsor was a name made up uh, because when the British was at war with the Germans, the original name of his family was Saxe-Coburg-Gotha which was a German name because they came from a German royal family. So they changed the name to Windsor to make it... It was offered two names, Cambridge or Windsor, and they chose the name Windsor. And the Queen's husband, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, his real name was Philip Battenberg, and he came from the House of Battenberg, which was a German royal family. So the royal family is very intricate, and unless people know... Uh, where their history is, they have no idea of where they're coming from. Absolutely. You know, so that's that's where we are in Britain, and uh, I just pray for God to bless us and protect us well, from all evil. We need it right now, because what's on the news as we speak just last night is uh, U.S. and the U.K. and NATO supplying Ukraine uh, you know, tanks coming over from Germany. They said um, uranium, depleted uranium uh, missile rounds from UK supplied to um, to the Ukrainians. I don't know how much more Russia can take of this, brother. I think that they're well, fixing to hit America and the UK and take our legs off. What do you think? I, I, I think that is true. I mean, I pray every day. When we have our prayer intercession on Friday evening, I pray all the time that God will protect us. You see, 
it's okay supporting a nation, but this is what I see. They say those weapons that Britain are supplying them have got a range of 300 miles and they're only to be used within Ukrainian soil. There's nothing to stop somebody aiming one of those at the Russian borders or a Russian troop movements and that falling into Russia. Now, one thing I know, Britain has always been able to punch above its weight in wars in the past. We've always been out of punch above our weight because of the professionalism of the British Army. Yeah. But you see, we're taking on someone with over four and a half thousand nuclear weapons. <laughs> I think it would take probably three nuclear bombs to finish Britain altogether. And I'm sorry to say, and I'm not trying to scare everyone, I think these days are coming closer and closer. And I believe... Uh, the lady who predicted 9-11, uh, I forget her name now, but she predicted 9-11. A Christian lady is always also predicting a nuclear explosion in 2023. And as we know, we, know, we both know people have been predicted that uh, Russia will attack America around about the fall of 2023. If Russia attacks America, it will attack Britain automatically. And I believe that Russia then will make uh, they will make a, a go at Israel. They'll have a go at Israel as yes. well and try and move into Israel. And you'll see the emergence of Gog and Magog as described in the Bible. And, you know, that really ties into what we're talking about tonight in conclusion. Um, yes. You say, well, can't God protect a nation? He could if we were a godly nation. But when yes. we're committing the four sins that bring judgment on a nation idolatry sexual perversion lifting your heel against israel and murdering of the innocent uh, then we have heaped up on ourselves sins that far exceeded anything that sodom and gomorrah did and if god did not judge us he would have to repent to sodom and gomorrah the cup of iniquity is filled up to overflowing amen and unless there is a massive Repentance from the top down. I don't see the judgment of God being held off. In fact, a uh, a scripture talks about over in Jeremiah 51. I think it's uh, 51 14. It says, God shall uh, cause men to fill up your nation, overrun it like caterpillars, and they will lift up a shout against you. We see that happening at the American border right now. Uh, it could be very well be the judgment of God. And uh, we could be in the early part of the, um, of the destruction that many have seen that comes upon America and these nations in the time of the end, like Dimitri Dudeman, because of the sins that it did not repent of. I mean, we've been warned for decades, brother, and we just keep yes, on murdering. Yes. And you know, um, what has been done is a little too late, I think. Too little, too well, late. Well, I know. I think around. the only reason that hasn't happened yet is because we know the Holy Spirit is the restrainer. And I believe the restrainer is holding back the Soviet Union at the moment, supernaturally. But as you say, we can push Russia too far. And I believe they've already been pushed too far. And I believe NATO, and I believe the European Union, and all these... Uh, nations have come together and if you like they're trying to control Russia with might and with force sure. and we've seen it before with Hitler 
once a nation, a demonic nation, has a grievance, they can turn that grievance pretty quickly in a war. And the thing is, now war, the war we'll be facing is not soldiers walking down our streets with guns. We'll be facing missiles. And with regards to Britain, a missile can reach, slow Putin boasted, a missile can reach London in three minutes now. So, oh, wow. you know, I think things look very grim. Folks, uh, the nations are in trouble. And you know what? Maybe we can't stop what's coming on our nations of America, the UK, Europe, and so forth. But God is able to protect you and I as our, and our families. If we will repent, he's able to even, says, if we fear and obey the Lord, even the angel of the Lord will cap about the righteous to deliver them. That's the only safety any of us got is in the Lord Jesus. And to now is the time to repent and get our house in order. If you have aborted a child, murdered a child in the past, repent. The Lord will forgive you. And then take what time you got and try to save the life of another one that's about to be murdered. We've got to speak out against this. The church cannot remain silent anymore. Many have because they fear reprisal, fear people leaving, fear a decrease in donations. Many of them are compromised and actually secretly think it's okay well, it's not okay to God, and God is going to judge. And we better repent of the judgment of God is going to fall in our homes. Uh, I want to Amen. thank you for coming out tonight and speaking the truth. Brother, very few people will take on this topic. And you know well, what? I take it on. The reason I take it on because, you know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. My Christianity is very simple. I will fight the devil to the day I die because I'm not frightened of Satan or any of his demons, but I'm terrified of the will of God. Oh, yeah. That's why I have to do what is right. Thank you for standing up for the truth. If someone wants to contact you, Brother Michael, support your ministry, how can they do that? Well, you can contact me. My my email address is frame, F-R-A-M-E, Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S, one two three at aol.com i've got a, a paypal account attached to that email so you can if you wish to support me you can anyone who needs any help for anything at all you can contact me contact me on that email and i'll give you my skype details and pretty soon we'll be praying the lord is wonderful the lord is mighty we're so sorry things are so bad in the world but it's not over till it's over so let's all get together and pray and let's Amen. all petition the lord now one thing i say every day and i ask all christians to say it say psalm 91 i believe psalm 91 is a protection against nuclear war a thousand may fall at your side ten thousand at your right hand but it will not come near you say psalm 91 every day and read the king james version the original tongue God bless you all. I've got to go now Thank because you, I've Michael. got another appointment. Appreciate so you. God bless you all for listening. See you next time, brother. God bless. See you next time. God bless. Bye-bye.